Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Goldstone Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. Today, we're going to be reading from Romans 15, verse 14 to 33. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and content, to instruct one another, yet I have written you quite boldly some points to remind you of them again, because the grace of God gave me, the grace of God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except Christ that has accomplished me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were told told not about him will see, and those who have heard will... For those who have not heard will understand... This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. After I have enjoyed your company for a while, now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make an attribution, a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it it to them. For the Gentiles have searched in the Jews' spiritual blessing. They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessing. So after I completed this task, I have made sure that they have received this contribution. I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when you come, that, but when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me, that I pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourable received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by, the, by God's will and in your company be refreshed. By the God of peace will be with you all. Amen. When I come down from Copa, there's an East Coast low that's happening around Copacabana on the coast. So let me tell you, that uh, makes it look like a sprinkling out here compared to what it was. So it's, uh, it's quite huge. Uh, that's uh, the stuff that's happening around and it is as Paul prayed what a blessing it is that uh, we've seen rain and uh, and um, pray that it gets to the places that need where it needs to get to because there are places in our world in our country that where it needs to happen let's pray as I open up God's word 
Uh, Lord, as we come to the final as- aspect of, uh, of uh, Romans in, in, the la- in this last sermon in the series, I just pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes. But more than that, Lord, you give us a heart for you and a heart for prayer. And I pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. The Heights is made up of uh, many different areas of ministry. And as you know, that each ministry has their goals and and uh, and make decisions about what they're going to do and where they're going to do it, where they're going to do it, how they're going to go ahead, uh, and all the things that are happening. Uh, each have their own challenges and each have their own victories, but each have their own needs as well. Carlingford Baptist is the same as us. Newcastle Anglican is the same. Robina Uniting is the same. Akron Bible Chapel is the same. Edinburgh Presbyterian is the same. Hong Kong Alliance Church is the same. Every single church is the same. We have things that we do. We have our own challenges. We have our victories. We have the things that we need. In fact, every church and every Christian organisation and every personal Christian ministry that you would have has the same structure around their ministry to do what Christ wants them to do, to do what God has planned for them to do. So God has a plan for our ministry and it's a picture that is before you. A picture, if you like, that is a worldwide picture. It just doesn't... The reason why I mentioned all the Edinburgh and the Akron, because I went to Akron Bible Chapel and I went to Edinburgh Presbyterian, I haven't been to Hong Kong Alliance, but uh, I know that that's the, worldwide... We have a big picture that's placed before us and every single bit of church, bit of ministry and bit of our Christian life all fit together like a huge, big jigsaw puzzle. Each person has a unique piece that fits perfectly within the picture. So at the end of time, we'll see a magnificent portrait before it and you'll see that where your little bit, might seem a little bit at the time, will fit perfectly within it. God has given the colour and the shades of our pieces in the Bible. But God, in his wisdom, has only given us part of the picture. We don't see it all (coughs) in full right at this particular time. So therefore, the decisions that we make and the vision that we have and the types of ministry that we choose to be involved in all form this unique shape of our puzzle piece and it forms a unique puzzle piece for you personally but also for us here at the Heights. However, because we don't know the complete picture for our ministry and how it fits perfectly within God's overall masterpiece, we have to seek wisdom from him and allow him to shape our piece. I get frustrated with jigsaw puzzles. I sometimes think at the end of the day that the manufacturer has left out a couple of pieces and, uh, and, and they've got it wrong. I even try to chew off bits and pieces just to fit them right into the right spot because that's where it's supposed to be, right? That's where it has to be. That's where that piece must fit. As I mentioned, the Bible gives our ministry colour and pattern and prayer allows us to shape and form to fit into his picture so we don't chew off a piece. So we don't force the fit where there's no fit that's there. We don't and we can't know the complexities of his picture. 
And it's only sometimes in years later on that we can kind of get a bit of a handle on what's going on. We understand where ministry pieces might fit. And sometimes we'll just never know. But we have great comfort in knowing that God is faithful and God knows the complete picture and that he forms his picture and there's never a leftover piece. Isn't that good news? We're not a leftover piece here and you're not a leftover piece in your life. God has uniquely formed you and coloured you and is doing that continuously and building on that. And he has for us as well. And in order for us to get it right, we need to seek wisdom from him and it prevents us, as I said, from forcing that piece into the wrong spot or even chewing off the end. We need to pray. Because that's what prayer does. We read God's word and we pray to him about how we might incorporate God's word into our life. And that's what we do here at, at the Heights. And that's what you should do within your life. Prayer is not just supporting ministries. It's absolutely vital to the direction and the effectiveness of ministry. And the reason why it's vital for that is because you won't get the shape right unless you pray through it unless you're reading God's word and in direction of God's word, praying that into your life and praying that into your ministry, the shape will not be right until you do that. He's allowed us to do that. And as Paul said, I always mention, the church will never rise above its passion for prayer. And I absolutely believe that. And I would ask you, are you praying for the Heights Church? You are part of our church. You come here. Daily do you pray for the Heights Church? And the ministries that we do. Because the reality is, is that through prayer, we can play an active and vital role in the ministries, even if you're not going to that ministry. Do you know that you can pray, play an active and vital role in youth ministry, even though you would not and do not want to play any of the games that they play? I've got no desire to go and jump on a trampoline. Zero. They all went to flip out on Friday night. Good on them. Good on you, Nat. You can go there whenever you want. Good on you, Chris. You can go there. But let me say that my prayer behind the relationships that happen at flip out is vital and effective to the ministry that happens there. Same with little giggles. Same with all the ministry that happens within our church. We need to have a closer look at how that might be effective in our life and what's the nature of Paul's prayer for ministry as we look at the passage that happened. Three things. It's urgent. Second thing, it's a struggle. Not just a struggle to stay awake. It's actually a struggle in life because the powers and the principalities of this world, i.e. Satan, will try to stop the effectiveness of prayer. And it's essential for ministry. Firstly, it's urgent. Have you ever run a surprise um, birthday party before? Has anyone hand up if you run a surprise birthday party? A anyone that's worked where the person's actually been really surprised? Yeah? Oh, it worked? Would a person almost fall over? I had a surprise birthday party that was uh, held for me at Teen Ranch. And Tim, uh, my best man at my wedding, um, he, uh, he held a surprise birthday for me. The problem is that I knew about it. And so he'd say, do you want to come over to my place for dinner tonight? No, thanks. It's okay. I'm not really hungry. Oh, do you want to well, well, come over and we'll watch a movie? Okay, I'll be over about 8 o'clock after. 
He goes, well, it's a long movie, but you want to come over earlier. And, and it kept on going backward, forward, back and forward. And, uh, and eventually I, I kind of uh, tried to muster up every possible excuse I ever could to get out of going there. But obviously I did. See, Paul invites the church in Rome to attend that salvation banquet of God. Not just a surprise birthday dinner, but a surprise banquet of God. And, uh, and we're invited to it. But then sometimes what happens is that we can work out every possible excuse that we can to not go there, to not be part of it, and not to invite others to be part of it. And we can go through our mind every excuse that we have. And the surprise banquet it is for God is to sit at his table and come before him in the light of this passage in prayer. Do you think about that when you pray, that you are coming through Jesus Christ into the presence of God and you are dining at his table? And yet for me, I work out every excuse I can to not do it. I'm too tired. I've had a long day. All the things that go through my mind to try to get out of it. I mean, obviously, eventually I can go. But what's it like for you? And he invites the church in Rome to join with him in prayer. But he does more than just invite them. He absolutely urges them to play. If you look at verse 30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in the struggle by praying to God for me. I urge you to join with me by praying to God for me. And if we want to listen to Chris, he would say the same thing. I urge you, church, to be with me as we minister to our youth in our area as we do for church here, as we do with little giggles, as we do for wreath-making that's coming up with 50 people, 45 of them are from our community, never probably been in church before except for Christmas time. All the things that we can be praying for. Paul says, I urge you, Romans, to be with me as the message of Jesus goes out and I am asking you and pleading with you, be in Prayer for the Heights Church and for your ministry within the Heights Church. It's not like he just recommends that they pray and hope that they do. Oh, I hope that you turn a long hand up if you're coming. If you're not, he urges them. It's the same urging that we got in Romans 12 verse 1 where he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He's not saying... Oh, well, if you want to, if it's convenient for you, I hope that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. It's the same word of urgency. It is essential for you and your Christian ministry. It's essential for the church and its Christian ministry to do that. By making his appeal by the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, and by the love of the Spirit, he is saying, if you truly confess Jesus as Lord, I urge you in the name, his name, to pray for me. If you know the spirit of love that enables you and empowers you, then pray, demonstrating it by the power of God in prayer. If you love because Christ loves you first, well then love Paul, he says, by praying for me. It's an expression of love.
to bring somebody, ministry or person, in prayer to God. So his appeal is first based, on, uh, first based you know, what's it on? It's, it's on salvation. It's on our salvation. Similar to Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, if you have any encouragement by being united in Christ, in other words, if you have any encouragement by being a Christian, if you have any comfort in his love, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, obviously you need to be a Christian to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit because you get the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. If you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. And that same passion that he had for the Philippian church, Paul asked the Roman church to unite with him in prayer on behalf of their Christian experience, behalf of them being connected in Jesus. So he urges the church in Rome to pray on that same basis. Back to my surprise birthday party. Is there any hope that I wouldn't attend that party? No. I mean, people travel from everywhere. I wouldn't hold out. I mean, all the food and all the presents and all the preparation and, and because Teen Ranch is out in the middle of nowhere, like people travel for miles to get there. There's no way that I wouldn't go. And yet we have received an invite to join others in prayer and their ministry. We need to be praying that God would shape their ministry. We need to pray that God would bless their ministry. We need to pray that God's kingdom would absolutely explode on this earth. We need to pray that Jesus would grow his church everywhere, including here at the Heights. How many times have you prayed that God would do a revival right here in Hornsby Heights? Pray, continue to pray that. It is far greater than inviting me to my birthday party, that God would invite me to join in prayer with the church, for the church, for his ministry. It's enormous. Paul uses the same root word of that urging uh, when he spoke to the Colossians. He says, Epaphras, uh, who was one of the servants of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He always wrestling in prayer for you or joining or struggling or whatever that might be in prayer for you that you might stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured in your salvation. Hey, that's a prayer, isn't it? That we can pray for us here, that we might stand firm in the will of God that we might grow in maturity, not as people, not as earthly wisdom, but in spiritual wisdom, and that we might be assured of where we sit with Jesus in salvation. See, Paul sees prayer as part of not only urging, but a part of the Christian struggle. It's not about how much sweat we expel in prayer. It's not that we have to turn up the air con so it's on heat instead of cool, to make our prayers effective in a room. It's not about that kind of sweat. It's, it's not like Job wrestling with God, but rather our struggle is like an athlete that struggles to be at the end of the race, that exercises discipline right throughout. That's hard work, that mental anguish, that stress that you feel about how you're going to perform on the day. That's the wrestling with God that we have. It's a struggle. It's an urgent struggle. 
Paul in Ephesians says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and against the heavenly realms. You see, the picture that we have and the peace that we have to play in that can easily be distorted. And Satan gets in and he deceives and he distorts and he confuses. So rather than our ministry being one that brings life, it's one that just brings stuff. And people go away and go, well, we either want that or we don't. But when God offers us life, he offers us life in its fullness. Church can become and, our, and has become different than what God ever intended it to be. And our job through prayer and struggling in prayer is that we would never move away from what God intends for us to be. Paul is going, to, uh, going into places. He's going to lead the work with new Christians. He's going in. And he recognises that as he goes in, he is going to encounter opposition. And the opposition is one of pride. And he took it upon himself to collect money for the church at Jerusalem. And here's how pride works, isn't it? That he envisioned that there would be some from the Jerusalem kind of church that would say, we don't need money. We don't, we don't need to have that. We, you know, if you would just stop... Um, being over the top and telling people how uh, about Jesus and, and the Jewish realm. If, if Paul stopped witnessing to people, well, then they would cost, cop, cop less flack in their com, uh, Christian community and therefore they'd have less struggle about making money because that's what happened in the Jerusalem community. Jerusalem community was that at the more Christian you become, the less Jewish you become, the more opposition you faced, the more t struggle you had to make ends meet, the more need there was for prayer. So the solution would be, Paul, stop being so over the top, then we will get less flack. Bring it on. We need to be so over the top. Just telling people about Jesus, living our Christian life, loving people as God has called us to love, and God would need to supply all that we need for ministry. See, Paul knew that he couldn't stop preaching. So no internal opposition that would ever come to the church in Rome would ever succeed because he calls for the church in Rome to be in prayer for him, knowing that opposition would come. Just by the way, if anyone wants to give a whole lot of money to our ministry here, I'm not going to complain I used to meet with minister at a minister support group. Uh, and it's not that I quit for any reason other than people, you know, sort of scattered around the place. But I was at a minister a minister's support group when I first started, and it was interesting that without exception, the first comment that was given at nearly every meeting that we had was that where ministers explained their vision and their ministry goals to their congregation. People would say, what do you think the first people, thing that people say when they first stand up, they first start ministry, they get onto it absolutely you know, keen and excited. They say, we've done that before, but it didn't work. Maybe some people may have been involved in previous ministries and attempt uh, different types of ministry and would understandably find it difficult to take on board what the minister had to say. And maybe that was that for Paul. 
He's going to go out and he's going to preach the gospel. Oh, we've heard that before. We've taken the gospel there before, but it doesn't work. It's going to be a struggle because of not only external opposition, but also internal opposition. Paul needs the church to pray for him, even though the church may not lack faith, but hard to see vision. So what should they pray for? Vision. Not just from the minister, that every person would capture the vision of God and walk forward with God. It's a struggle, but Paul urges us. And why does he urge us? Because it's absolutely essential for ministry. Prayer, Paul highlights uh, how essential prayer is for his evangelism. He was a man who believed that prayer had the power to change the hearts of people. Do you believe that? I have to ask myself, do I believe that? When I go and I know that people are walking into a place where they can share the gospel, do I believe that God can change the hearts of people they share with, no matter how hard their heart might be? No matter how hard their heart might be? So when he asks for prayer for himself, he's asking for prayer for his vision to see people come to know Jesus. And he believed that prayer would not only strengthen him to be bold and to witness in a way that is faithful to God, but he also believes that prayer would change the heart and soften the heart of people. Paul believed that today... Through prayer, we can literally join with preachers from all around the world, evangelists from all around the world who are sharing the gospel. He believed that we can join, literally join in ministry with Chris and the leadership team as they go out and minister to our youth. He believes that we can make a difference to the ministry here at the Heights. Paul told the Colossians to pray for that in their church. He said, may God open up the door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Hey, that's a prayer. Ephesians, he says this, that, whatever I open, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the, God, of the gospel. Pray for me, he says. And as to the church in Thessalonica, he says, pray for us that the message of the Lord might spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you. What does prayer do in evangelism? Well, this is what it does. It fans the flame of unbelievers. When I was a blacksmith, I went to my first blacksmithing competition. So I used to shoe horses, but I used to make, I used to be a blacksmith too, and used to make a whole lot of wedding gifts and all the rest of it. Did I make anything for you? Never. never. <laughs> prophets never, never honoured in their own home. Um, the, uh, no, I used to go in blacksmithing competitions, and, uh, and it was good fun, and, uh, and you know, I, I could swing a hammer, so there's, there's, it's all right with that. And, uh, and so what happens, the very first, I'd never worked on a coal forge before. If you've got a... 
I had a truck and I had the back of the truck. It's pretty hard to have a coal forge on the back of your truck. You're just kind of going to set it alight. Um, so what you do is you have a, a, a propane forge and they've made forges so that it sort of melts metal but you put this special chemical on it that is like glue and it joins two bits of metal together. But a coal forge actually doesn't do that. Coal forge actually melts metal uh, and it gets really hot and all the rest of it. So I'm sitting there and I'm... I've got the coal, my, my bit of metal in the, in the coal forge and it's ambering away and there's just, you know, a nice strong red glow, but it's certainly nothing like it should be, that's for sure. And so I think, well, there's not enough coal on it. And so, um, so I keep on piling on coal thinking, that, okay, it needs it. And then my mate come along and switch the fan on. And, uh, and my metal that was in there that was going to be red hot melted right in front of me. They call it a crispy critter. And I was going to bring in a crispy critter today uh, but I, I, I didn't wear... I look at this shoe and go, that actually is supposed to be a horseshoe because it just melted. I kept, I kept the one that melted uh, completely. And that's what happens, isn't it? God turns the fan on. So what might be an amber in someone's light ignites into massive flames and can melt the hardest heart that you ever would have and you would ever see so that he can forge in their life exactly the peace that he wants it to be. It's oxygen for the fire. And when people are confronted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, not church, not talking about the religious meeting that you have or the ministries that you might do, we're talking about the gospel. They are sinners. Christ died for their sin so they may have new life with him and might forge a new beginning and a new life even though they might think that their life is just nice. He switches that fan on, that oxygen that might be there. It produces boldness. And we read in Acts 3 and 4 the boldness that happened. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, he not only lit a, a fire and, and, flam, and uh, fanned the flame, uh, we see Peter and John, they went into the temple to pray and they met this lame guy. You've, you've heard the, the story probably before. And in the name of Jesus Christ, they healed this guy. And then when the crowd gathered, they were asked, why, under what basis is this person healed? And they boldly preached that they were doing it all in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who came and died. And they preached the gospel right in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so much so that they were blessed and they were sent out. No, they were put in jail. And then what happened is that they got out. And what did they do? Run away and hide in the woods because they didn't get thrown in jail? No, they, with boldness, once again, preached the gospel. That's what happens through prayer. Why should that happen? It's because all the church was back after they were thrown in jail. What were they doing? Praying. Not praying that they'll be released and come back. They were praying that they would be bold and they would keep on preaching the gospel. So Peter and John returned to the church and they, were, they held a prayer meeting in, in Acts 4.31. And it says this, after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke, they spoke the word of God boldly. They weren't worried about the threats of the unbelievers. They proclaimed the good news for Jesus. It's oxygen, it's boldness, and it brings about, like Paul said, vision. He didn't want them to pray so that they could 
get to Rome for like a nice Italian holiday. He hadn't visited Rome before. He's not saying, pray that I get to Rome. And he goes out and he goes to this nice holiday. He wasn't even going to stop at Rome. He was off to Spain. Back to the jigsaw puzzle. The amazing part about it is that when you put a piece right into the middle, that it has connecting pieces on every side. And God, at the centre of his ministry, is going to connect you up with all sorts of different pieces. But it's not only for you to just sit within that spot. It's for you to vision what the picture's going to look like as it moves out from either side of your piece. And that's what it does for us here. We're not just to sit there and go, this is what we do here. Our piece is really nice. We're going to be just not... God, use the other pieces. We don't know what's happening on the outside here, but we just want to have this piece that's kind of set within it. No, God wants you to see that he is connecting here with connecting out there. and go, Here's one that happened this week. This piece that we have of Natalie. She grows up through youth group. She goes to a gap year. She phones me up and she's now enrolled in the Bachelor of Ministry at Morley. How's that for future? Now, she's going to have a piece that's here, that's going out to Morley. What's the future going to look like? I'm sure that God is going to join one piece after another piece after another piece and after another piece. And she is going to look and go, that's where you want me to go. Because we've all been praying for her and connecting with her. See, what does prayer and looking forward do for us? It's a prayer that we wouldn't be overwhelmed with our present situation. It's a prayer that we would have spiritual refreshment and be able to continue on and move on and take that next step and keep on going. It's a prayer that energises and enables people to continue in a vision and to grow God's kingdom as he puts it on. There's a prayer that when totally exhausted, we don't quit because we will get tired in the struggle. It's a prayer that by God's will, Paul says, I might come to you with joy so that together we might be refreshed and move on. Prayer fulfills and enables vision. It completes the work under God's vision and not ours. And I'm going to ask you, will you pray for our church this week? And what I mean by our church is not the Heights Church. You're the church. We just do stuff together in ministry. But we're organised under the Heights Church. So pray for us as the church and for you as the church who meets here. Expectantly and excitedly and informed, ask people what you can pray for. Pray for individuals within the church because there are some people who are struggling, who are hurting and need to be refreshed, maybe, and need to be energised, maybe. Some need to be healed. Pray for vision, the vision of our church. Pray for the finances of our church 
and how you might contribute to that because the organisation needs to be organised and do the things that we do and particularly pray that our ministry and our mission and our vision might be just the way God wants it to be and we're not forcing anything but we're waiting for him and we're listening and we're willing to be formed and moulded by him for his glory. Hey, I hope you can do that. If you want to make a start about that, every first Sunday of the month before Sunday at Heights at 4.30, a group of us are going to meet over in the, uh, over in the creche uh, and we are going to do just that. Because while I do believe that you'll go out and you'll pray individually for, uh, for the ministry at the heights and you'll pray individually for those things, you'll pray for people's energy, you'll pray for refreshment, you'll pray for vision, you'll pray for boldness, you'll pray for the, the, the fire's going to be lit and, and flamed and then you'll pray for that struggle that Satan would have no hold. How awesome it is to join together with each other in the same place to do that. Nothing better than a prayer meeting. Nothing better than standing beside people where you can hear their passion and together we pray that God might mould us to be exactly the way he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Mark. Uh, please stand as we sing our final song, You Alone Can Rescue. <clears throat> Thank you.
Waited for each other, so yeah, that's all right. And then I got—I I forgot that it went straight in. Yeah. I know. Um, it's all right. That's okay. We fake We're it. just we a family it. that just loves God. You know, we're humble in our approach, and He's mighty in His power. You know, and that, that we just waited and all came in together. So you're amazing. I just find my concentration's getting worse. Oh, no, no. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. 
It's all right. We, I just said we're all humble before God.